sometimes you just need to have that wait time and that listening within a group. And that would be a perfect opportunity. Just let's take a few deep breaths, slow everything down, and then you open up the space for students to listen. So it might be before you divide them into groups for a group project. It could be at the beginning. That was the example that I used. And math anxiety. On the podcast today, we speak with Norma Gordon on how you can create a less stressful math classroom through mindfulness. Norma has successfully transformed her classroom and has helped numerous teachers embed mindfulness in their routines. Stick around and you'll hear Norma walk us through a mindfulness activity and share how to add mindfulness to your mathematics classroom, how to connect mindfulness to the math practice standards, why you need to use the Focus 5 in your classroom, and finally, how you can use mathetations to help educators and students integrate mindfulness in their classes. Let's hit it! Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. We are from Make Math Moments and together with you, the community of math moment makers worldwide who want to build and deliver math lessons that spark curiosity, fuel sense making, and ignite your teacher moves. Welcome, math moment makers, to another wonderful Making Math Moments That Matter episode. And today, uh, we are excited to bring to you Norma Gordon. And we're all going to maybe just take a nice deep breath and try to reduce a little bit of that math anxiety. Yeah. And we've been uh, chatting with Nora, seeing her here and there at conferences and through the online platforms for a number of years now. And we are excited to bring her on. So, uh, hey, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. Here we go. Hey, hey there, Norma. Thanks for joining us here on the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. We're super excited to have you on board for tonight's episode. How are things going in your world these days? Oh, in my world. Well, thank you for uh, having me tonight. I'm not quite sure where the world is, but I think being grounded, and this is a part where I've balanced my personal and professional with some yoga and all those things is helping. But we're all safe here, just outside of Boston area, and looking forward to our conversation this evening. We are as well. We are as well. And actually, I just did some yoga tonight with my wife. We do yoga pretty regularly, and I probably don't do it enough, probably not as much as you, Norma, but definitely is something that I strive for. Norma, we've met a few times in the past, but we would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. We usually ask our guests to kind of let us know where they're coming from, how long have you been in education, what's your role in education, all of that kind of background. Give us a snapshot of Norma Gordon. A snapshot of Norma Gordon. All right. Well, I will say that math education or education in general was not the original path that I took. And so I'm as surprised as most people around me who have known me for a long time that this is where I've ended up. Uh, grew up in Montreal, so Canadian. Ooh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. so, you know, it's really math. I was one of those folks. Total disclaimer, this is not how I feel right now. It's like I was a math person. 
always enjoyed games and numbers. But I think I always knew that math was part of dance that I did, puzzles, cooking. I just had a facility with it. So and I think my number sense just came from doing things every day. So I really had that track math experience and then ended up doing engineering as my education and working in industry, but really felt like there was something else and uh, fell. I'm almost an accidental educator, fell into supporting my community. Also, I had young kids at home and I wanted to have the same schedule as them. So ventured into volunteering and tutoring and then just entering teaching mathematics through the lens of why not? Working with students and really early on, it's so funny now when I think of all the packaging and the really interesting things folks are doing with project-based learning, all that, I didn't know any different. And so when I had my first class of students and shocked as I was, they just let me teach. I mean, I had got the certification, but I didn't do a practice teaching first. So it was really job embedded learning and job-embedded professional development that I sought out, I just said, well, all right, well, let's just all pretend that we are going to be selling our product. And I did mathematical modeling and project-based learning by saying we're learning linear functions. Let's design an ad for a product and do linear models. So I never felt that there was this do math in a vacuum versus use math. And I think, you know, as an engineer, that's what we did, use math to solve problems and create systems. So then I just realized that technology, you know, the graphing calculator was great, way better than those punch cards I used in engineering. And so I gravitated towards using that and realizing that I could support my colleagues. So the professional development lens is one that I took was very privileged to work in the Lexington Public Schools in Massachusetts, very collaborative community. But also just, I learned to more about education once I left the classroom. And that's really a bit of a sad part of the story is I had to leave to explore the math Twitter blogosphere, the education technology space. And I've landed back in a school system, but if I hadn't left, I'm not sure I'd be the teacher that I am now and the educator. Yeah, that's such an interesting story. You know, thinking about, I think many math teachers, especially if you're a secondary math teacher, let's say teachers that come out of high school tend to have that feeling that they grew up like they were a math person, right? I think John and I can definitely identify with that experience as well. We know so much more now. You had also referenced that as well, that math is so much more than what we knew it to be when we were younger. Yet you went into industry, you came out and sort of, I would argue, you kind of flipped the script a little bit on what math class might have been like. I'm interested when we get into your math moment in a moment to see if that experience was like a normal experience and how you went about teaching math. Is that how you learned it? But then more importantly, or I guess more curious to us right now is uh, curious why, like when you left, and I'm curious as to why, if it was for your children raising a family or was it to do some consulting and then you dug deeper? I'm really interested because I bet that there's a lot of educators who are listening. I find that we have a lot 
of educators who are in more of a coaching consulting role that listen to the podcast. I don't know if it's just how busy teachers are in the day-to-day that they just don't have the time. It's like they're exhausted by the time they're done. They're planning and report cards and calling parents and all of these things. So I'm curious, do you mind sharing a little bit more about that particular snapshot of your math teaching career? So it's actually the flip of what you said. I left industry to be at home with my kids. And then I went into education as being part of the community. So when I talk about the leaving the classroom was when I felt my kids were done and launched and off at university, I felt I had given the school and the community as much as I had, and I had to leave to learn more. So I got burnt out as well. So probably a progression of many of your listeners. I was the math person, the engineer, industry came in, taught the honors classes. And it was left to others to teach the students that were struggling. But again, I was very fortunate that everyone had to teach at least one of the classes, which were labeled as the lower level classes, but I would never use that label. These were the students that were disenfranchised. They were in high school and they were forgotten because they weren't on the calculus track or whatever. And I just felt that taking time more and more with those students, I learned from them how to be a better teacher. Yeah, that's a really interesting and great point that you're making here is I think sometimes, I guess it depends on the makeup of your department or makeup of the teaching group that you're in. And it's almost like if you're doing all of the learning in your department to kind of better the students, better the classes, and then you're trying to share that back out to the group, the group's like, okay, well, that's Norma's role. Norma always dives deeper on things and shares that back with us. But then that learning isn't deep for that other group. And so then you're right. It's like you leaving would then open the door being like, oh, wait, now I have to teach that class. And then I get that learning. Or we're going to step away from the curriculum leader job. And then it's like, oh, someone else is going to step in and then they get that learning. And because sometimes you have to step away so that it's good for the group. And I applaud you for that. That's a selfless move for sure. And I'm curious to dig a little deeper, like Kyle said, about your math moment. This is one of the questions we ask everybody. And I'm always curious to hear people's math moments. Like when we say math class and you think back to your own education, we've always got these moments that when you reflect on math class, there's all of a sudden this image that pops in our minds that just sticks with us for a long time. And and I'm wondering what that moment is for you. You're making me remember way back, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give a date. No, no. (laughs) I have to say, when I was thinking about that prompt, that my math moment probably didn't come in math class. It came in a physics class. And Again, I was more inclined to take the math and the physics courses, and I have this vivid recollection of applying mathematical models and equations and force and acceleration, playing air hockey, table hockey at Marionopolis College. That would be one of the highlights. It just made sense, force, friction, momentum. So I think if you had to say my math moment is it was really applying mathematics, and that's been my journey. So your math moment is seeing the math applied in real situations. 
Kyle and I have our math moments have been like, we're in math class and math looks like this. And it's not something how like we want to remember math class. We'd want math class change. But your memory is not that. Your memory is like, I see the power of mathematics and I saw the power of mathematics. And I'm wondering, and this is something we always ask as a follow up is like, how did your math moment shape how you became a teacher? I think it shaped how I became a teacher is because there's always got to be a purpose. There's always got to be a context. So how did that math moment shape me as an educator? I think it's still shaping me. I still think I look for the, why are we doing this? Where can I use it? What connections can I make both in the math classroom where we have scenarios that we create, some arbitrary, some maybe visual, but also I want students to leave the classroom and now teachers that I support to leave thinking about where else can I use this? I love it. It sounds like your experience was actually a really awesome experience for you to have where it's almost like you had this metacognitive sort of experience where you knew what math meant to you. And I don't know if I thought that deeply when I was younger about it and it sounds like it's really shaped who you were going, first of all, into industry, but then coming back and having that experience to be able to come back and sort of go, what really matters? I think that's something that I didn't have for many years was I came in, I looked at expectations or standards, and I just sort of looked at them as things we had to do and didn't really spend enough time kind of thinking about the bigger picture, which is that's the hard thinking, right, is trying to think of like, how does this, why does this all matter? How does it all connect? How do we use this? And why is it even here? So that's really interesting. And I know you've got all kinds of experience to share, but something we wanted to dive a little deeper in with you in particular, Norma, is that we know you're really active and in particular active in the social emotional learning skills and mindset and mathematics area. I'm wondering, like, how does that fit in? First of all, like what got you on that path? Was that something that you were thinking about sort of all along or was it when you had left your school or your district and dove a little deeper? Is that when you landed upon it? How did that come into your educational experience? And then we've got, of course, some more questions for you uh, about some of the work that you've done in that area as well. Hey there, Math Moment Makers. Are you a dedicated listener? Like, I'm talking, have you been listening for a couple of months, maybe even a couple of years? Well, if you haven't taken a moment to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, it would mean so much to us. It'll take you under one minute uh, so that you can help more educators see and experience the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. Uh, do us this huge solid. Uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, here is today's episode. It actually was while I was still teaching. As a high school teacher, there was some professional development, and I was always looking for the not math professional development. I was comfortable and had a great community of colleagues. You know, we could explore and play with mathematics together and teach it. And so there was a mindfulness professional development. I can't remember who offered it. And I went with one of my colleagues in the math department 
And it was just sharing techniques to set the stage for a class that would be less stressful, what kind of practical techniques. And so we did some mindful eating, mindful breathing, visualization, some of the very, I would say, traditional, typical things that you'll see in a social, emotional, or an advisory program in a school. And I brought it back to my high school classroom where I was having a little bit of a tardiness problem. I don't think you've ever discovered. No one's ever. No, 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 no. no, no, no. All the students I've ever taught have always been on time. Yeah. So, and again, this is, I had already started teaching some of the students that struggled. Math was not the class they were running to get to, despite I was making it fun and exciting and hands-on as best I could. But I would have a desk at the front that said, I'm sorry you came late. Just, I want to check in with you. So not even knowing that I was doing social emotional learning and making that space for students. And I started each class for a period of time. I think I did a six week trial of it where we would just breathe. So they would sit down and be quiet. And I put a sign on the door saying, we're just taking a couple quiet moments. I'm sorry you didn't get here on time, but please just wait outside and then we'll let you in. And within two or three weeks, there were some high school kids rolling their eyes. This was not for them. And quite frankly, in high school, I might have been one of those. But over a short period of time, students really appreciated that time to just take a pause and not go from class to class to class. And so they valued it. And I had fewer students coming late. And so had to be something there. I wish I had pursued it more. It was hard to sustain for me, and I wasn't as invested. And then I came back to it, doing yoga for myself and seeing how taking the time to breathe. And it was more recently in the last few years when it was almost by chance I was doing advisory with a sixth grade classroom. And I brought in these kind of breathing exercises because they didn't want to do math. (laughs) It was like five minutes of just kind of your Friday morning and took it from there. Norma, I'm curious about the, I think in a little bit, we're going to get you to model this for us. And I think that would be awesome for you to kind of like share what this looks like in the classroom, how you can do this in the classroom. But I'm wondering, like, before we can get to that part, I'm thinking like, where does this fit in into a teacher's lesson? So if you think of a teacher listening to this episode right now, they're like, okay, well, uh, this sounds interesting. You just kind of shared that it changed some of maybe the behavior management side of things on my classroom. How did that affect, like, once kids got there, did that change the management of that? And also, like, where does this fit in? Like, do you do at the beginning, the middle, the end, all these above, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think it's any good teacher is reading the room constantly. And so it might be at the beginning. And it doesn't just have to be these, you know, we'll model this little kind of breathing exercise. It's really these core competencies of social emotional learning And this collaborative for academic and social emotional learning castle has a framework where there are five elements. The five are self-awareness and self-management. So what are the students doing for themselves to be open to learning? Because if they don't feel open and safe, they're not going to learn. And then the other two are more, so those are more intra than the interpersonal relationships are the social awareness and the relationship skills. 
And then overall, there's this responsible decision-making. So within those five, those play into the classroom, and particularly a math classroom, almost at any point in time. If we connect it, and this is where I want to, I connect the breathing, the mindfulness to the math practices. If you're about to engage students in mathematical discourse, sometimes you just need to have that wait time and that listening within a group. And that would be a perfect opportunity. Just let's take a few deep breaths, slow everything down, and then you open up the space for students to listen. So it might be before you divide them into groups for a group project. It could be at the beginning. That was the example that I used. And math anxiety before an assessment, before a presentation. So giving students skills that make sense and that they can use in the math class. And as I said earlier, something that they can take with them beyond the math class. I like how you had mentioned that you sort of didn't even know you were doing it when you had started that routine at the beginning of class, the breathing routine, where students were starting to show up on time. And it's one of those, I, I would say, like habits that we have to sort of build into our process and build into how we run our classroom routines. And you could see how something as simple as that, and I can imagine what it's like, especially in a high school classroom, when you're trying to introduce some of these ideas, sometimes students can feel a little bit, we'll call it awkward, right? And they usually don't like that. When things are different, it can take some time for them to build that culture. But I'm thinking to myself, how many opportunities in my class where I could have been doing some of these activities, some of these routines, just to help students slow down and really just reflect, right? And think, because I think we just run through the day so quickly. And at school, you know, especially in a high school class where kids are running from class to class, they have a few minutes between class, they're worried about being late. There's always something going on. And it just feels to me like such a culture where we're building stress and anxiety into our students versus doing the opposite. So I'm wondering for like, People who want to go deeper with these five elements, what got you down this path? What resources, is it books, websites could you offer if there's people wondering, how do I learn more about these five elements and to find some routines that they can start putting into their classroom without much effort? Well, I would definitely send them to the CASEL website. It's C-A-S-E-L dot org. And there you get the framework where you can actually click on its nice little wheel. It's colored with the inter, the self-awareness, self-management, and dig a little bit deeper. And they also have some resources that I would love to come back and explore with you some more about how these connect to the mathematical practice standards. So some really good resources there. We'll definitely put that in a show notes page. And I'm wondering right now, I wonder if this is a good time, Norma, to kind of model what, say, a mindfulness activity might look like for us and kind of put Kyle and I through a mindfulness exercise. Absolutely. Let's see how that can go. But yeah, you know, I heard you already did your yoga today. So you know, I that's did. I, I, I need more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think also, too, personally, the more I started practicing yoga, the better I felt and more balanced. And so one of the ones, the early ones that I started doing, so again, if it's in a math class, counting, right? Obviously, just counting your breath alone is mathematical, but also understanding how you're affecting the nervous system. 
And so typically people will inhale and exhale, you know, if you're counting, it's the same, right? And that's just steady. That gives a core. But if you make a longer exhale, you are slowing down the system. So again, think about the purpose. And so that's the one that we will do, but you could also flip it around. And if you want to build up energy or some excitement, then the inhales are for a longer count than your exhales. Interesting. I'm thinking about this. and I definitely know unless I slow and I think consciously about my breathing, I find I'm not a very deep breather. I feel like it definitely keeps almost like my heart rate maybe higher than it needs to be throughout the day. And I've read some articles about this. So I'm curious, you like to name them mathetations. Uh, you have some great ones on your website and we'll let you kind of take us through that process, which is fantastic. My guess would be in a mathetation, we're probably working to slow down versus kind of get amped up. So we'd be looking for more of that slower exhale rather than a quick exhale. Correct. Correct. And it's about how you count it and the mindset that you bring to it. So I also find that having someone count through and creating these routines is helpful. And then getting the students to create their own. So thinking about the patterns, either as we're breathing or visual or whatever. All right. Well, now, so the first I was one, go ahead. I was going to say, if anyone's driving right now, <laughs> uh, you might want to pull over. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, Norma. No, that's a good point. That's right. This is a podcast, right? <laughs> All right. So the first one that I did, and again, to make it a connection. So you could breathe in any class or any and so I called it the FIBO focus just to give myself a count and a foundation. And so the pattern is the Fibonacci sequence and letting you know. So this is a practice, right? So what I say, inhale and exhale purposely, this is something new that's not on the version that's on the website. I'm not going to have you hold your breath because I'm also learning more about being trauma sensitive. Often that's triggering for someone to have to hold their breath like <gasps> and hit the panic button. So this particular one that I'm going to do with you, we're just going to be breathing in and out and it should feel comfortable. And it's just a suggestion, right? So I will do the count. So first get yourself comfortable. As he said, if you're. Yeah, I was going to ask you about in terms of like any recommended body position, like for students, like hands on their thighs and just in an upright position, head down, head straight? I'll do that intro and you can see that there's options because it's all about students feeling comfortable. So find yourself in a comfortable, grounded position where you feel secure. And so for some of you, that might be standing by your desk or sitting at your desk and your hands should be comfortable either in your lap, palms up or palms down. And for some students, it's they feel safe enough that they can close their eyes. And for others, I would just ask them to gaze down at a spot that's not moving. Just eliminate some of the other distractions and just find your breath and then follow. And we'll breathe in for one and out for one. And then we'll breathe in for two, one. And out for three, two, one. 
And then take a deep breath in for five, four, three, sip in some more air, two, one, and let it all go for eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And then you could repeat that cycle. You could play with the pattern and do it backwards, but that was just a very short introduction. And then you could talk about the pattern. One, one, two, three, five, eight. What do you notice? <laughs> mm, I really and, like it. And why didn't I keep going? Because what would come next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'd be waiting a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, actually, John and I might not come back because actually yeah. I was feeling quite relaxed. So I uh, definitely the palms up did it for me. And I was feeling just a nice, relaxed feeling. And yeah, definitely awesome. So I'm wondering, Normal, for those who are listening, they're going, wow, like this seems like something that. I could add to my classroom, I could add a routine of, and it sounds like you could use this exact same sequence. It's not like it has to always be changing. And maybe it might even be better to keep it more constant for at least a little bit of time. How many others do you have available on your website? Are there other websites doing something like this? Like, what would you suggest to someone who's listening saying like, how do I do this in my class? How do I get started? Right. So I'd send them where I got started. So there is this SERP Focus 5. So the SERP Institute is a research institute, and they actually have some other good math things, algebra by example. That's for another day and time too. But I started with these, it's called Focus 5. And these are scripted activities about taking deep breaths with counting and with movement. So if you raise your arms up, you're raising your energy, and then you bring your arms back down, you're feeling grounded and centered. And so those were scripts that I just started with. So that's a great place to start. I know there's lots of good apps out there. Many of them are free for educators to practice doing their own meditation headspace and calm. And I haven't used any of those because I do it in my yoga practice. And then I have a handful on my website and I want to explore more, but I want to be more deliberate about it and connect it to mathematical lessons. So part of it too, when you do this and you're making it organic in the classroom, I think the math practices should often be organic as well. I think we tend to label things and then it's like we're working on math practice one, you know, you've got to persevere or we're working on math practice for the next three days. Right. And math practice six, you have to be precise. And then it becomes silos. It kind of is like how we were teaching content standards versus concepts. And so to me, when you do a breathing exercise, then ask the students, so what's that going to help us do? Or if you're counting precisely, right? And when we were breathing, why was it important to have that precision? So just weave the stories in. And so I'm creating these workshops where we'll run through some of these activities. We'll also unpack the math practice standards and then make that connection, make that crosswalk. So that's something that I'm exploring and uh, did a rough draft before COVID, but it involved a yoga practice as well, some self-care for the teachers. So we'll get back to that or I'll figure out other ways to um, do it virtually as everyone's exploring. Yeah, absolutely. I really like this idea of trying to avoid siloing, especially 
When you think about the math practices for the Common Core, here in Ontario, we have now included uh, social-emotional learning skills, and we've always had process expectations, and the process expectations are much like the math practice standards. And when we think about it, I kind of look at those as sort of the overarching place we want our students to get to. And the content standards or the content expectations here in Ontario are just the means to help you get better at those things. They're like the things we're going to focus on and do, but in service of developing these skills. And I can definitely see this mindfulness connection, getting students to be more mindful and to help them with their social emotional learning skills, like helping them develop those skills. It's so key because, again, when we look at what we want students to walk away with from a math class, we never say it's Pythagorean theorem or solving quadratics. These are things we focus a lot of our time and attention on. But in reality, we want resilient problem solvers. We want students who can persevere. We want students who can work through difficult situations, you know, get themselves out of jams and all of these things, being able to reason and prove. These are ideas that we want students to bring with them because they are so important in math, but then also in all aspects of life. So I'm wondering, as we're getting closer to the end of this episode, Norma, what big idea or big takeaway would you like to leave as a final thought for the Math Moment Maker community? So if there's one thing that you hope that listeners will take with them from this episode, what are you hoping that message would be? And then we'll give you an opportunity to let people know where they can find more about you. I think the big takeaway If you find the time and space to just breathe and take things in, you have a better sense of who you are and your identity, and then you can find your mathematical identity, you can find your mathematical community, and you can have agency. And it's about balance, right? So if we want to make that connection, it's balance in your body, balance in your mind. When we're problem solving and we're balancing equations, it's all part of the same kind of being and taking the time to recognize that. And it's not something else or we're not now check off the box, social, emotional, check off the box, math practice. We're putting it together. We're a community. We're human. There's humanizing mathematics in a lot of ways. This is just being human for yourself. I like how you have articulated that it's all interconnected and sometimes that we don't think of it that way. That's it's that part. And then there's math class. So I am really excited for you to share that with our, uh, uh, the, the, the make math moments Who are they again? community. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, it's all that alliteration is just kind of mumbled in my mouth, but uh, thanks so much Norma for sharing that. I think we get a lot out of that and I think oh, we can all be a more mindfulness in our practice. So, uh, I'm wondering before we uh, sign off here where our community can learn more about you and your work so where would you have them reach out to you well i am working on cleaning up my website so normabgordon.com and there is a page with mathetations i'm also very available and active on twitter at normabgordon twitter handle So those would be the two places to reach out. And I would love to hear from your listeners what they're doing, what they're experiencing, and make this a community of learning. 
Love it. Love it. Well, we will definitely add all of those to the show notes. We'll have your Twitter up there, Norma B. Gordon on Twitter. Also your website, normabgordon.com, where folks can find out more about you and mathetations in particular. And we'll also make sure that we include some of those other links as well from the SERP Institute and We'll also even include the Headspace app and the Calm app just for people who want to do some exploring there as well. So thank you so much for uh, taking some time to not only share with us, but also to uh, make John and I a little bit more mindful this evening. We appreciate you and we really, really look forward to staying connected online and hopefully, hopefully face to face at an upcoming conference sometime soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Can't wait to hear more math moments from uh, your other folks in the community and appreciate your time. Be well, so stay much, safe. Yeah, you yes, too. you Take too. Care. We'll talk to you soon, Norma. Take care. As always, both John and I learned so much from these episodes, uh, but remember, in order to ensure we hang on to this new learning so it doesn't wash away like footprints in the sand, we must reflect on what we've learned. Uh, John and I get to reflect on this every time we record an episode because then we get to go back and edit it, re-listen to it, and then we also have to like write these uh, bumpers, the, the intro and the outro. So we do a ton of relearning. So how are you going to go ahead and do some learning? so that learning will stick and doesn't wash away. Yeah, so a great way to hold yourself accountable is you could write it down or even better share it with some of your partner, colleagues, or with the Math Moment Maker community. Hit us up over on social media in our free private Facebook group, Math Moment Makers K-12, or get us on Instagram or Facebook at Make Math Moments. Yes. And remember, hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. And we're doing a lot on YouTube these days. So look up Make Math Moments on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and ring that notification bell so you know when we go live or when a new episode or video, I should say, is released. Yeah. Show notes and links to resources and uh, complete transcripts to read from the web or download and take with you, head on over to our show notes page, makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 137. Again, makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 137. Well, until next time, my Math Moment Maker friends, I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And a high five for you. If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind. And plans only go so far. You can make you know detailed plans and, and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable. But that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work. Working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job. How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? 
if you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's, it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training uh, and accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the, math, the Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook. After completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.